This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 85 of Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we share how horses heal humans. The breed of the show is the turtle. In Critter Nutrition, we focus on healthy hooves. And in Coffee Clutch, we ask, what new furry or feathered critter would you add to your household? Listen in. This is Healthy Critters Radio. I'm Tigger Montague. And I am Patty Perucci, and I would like to introduce my wonderful friend and producer, <laughs> Jennifer. <laughs> you're, just, you're just trying to trip me up. I was. <laughs> Did it work? Yeah, pretty good job. Pretty good job. <laughs> you tripped me up, too. <laughs> yeah, Tigger's going, did she invite somebody else that I didn't know about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Great, Peter's on the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in to Healthy Critters Radio, everybody. Yes. Uh, where we talk you. about all things healthy and critters. <laughs> welcome, welcome. And we're the only show that has a talking Pomeranian. Yes. And and I would think that Glenn would have reasons for that, but we're not going to talk about that today. No. We value <laughs> our talking Pomeranian. We do. Yes. We and do. Her name is Hedwig. Miss Hedwig is an important member of the team. She and is. she knows a lot of stuff. Yes, she does. A lot of stuff. And she has opinions about a lot of stuff. Which we will hear from today. Yes, we will. Absolutely. And one of, so, the, thing, one of the things he has opinions on is humans. And I think we have a human <laughs> topic to start out things. We're critters. Humans are critters, yep, so yep. that makes sense. Servants. Yeah. I think they're called servants. Yeah. Not that I want to correct you, but I do believe the term mm. is servant. Or is that just her servant? Oh, all because, humans are servants. Okay. Yeah. Well, there. see, there's so much I still need to learn after yeah. all these episodes. So. I think it's global for, for Hedwig. Yeah. Global. Okay. That's good to know. So, Tigger. So, I have some news. <laughs> you have what? I have news. You do? I do. Every time somebody says that, I always think they're going to tell me they're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wait. So, no That's worries here. Okay, good. I have a new horse. You do? Oh, boy! Who is it? Her name is Ginger, and I got her from Hope's Legacy, which is a rescue in Afton, Virginia. Okay. And she came from Peaceable Farm. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, you know, um, for all our listeners, Peaceable Farm was a large farm that was taking in retired horses and, and they were neglected. 50 of them, many died. Uh, Hope's legacy managed to get 10 out and Ginger was one of them. Wow. She's 20 years old. She's a quarter horse cross. She's chestnut with a flaxen mane and tail. And I got her to be lion's companion. Oh, that's wonderful. What does lion think about that? Does he like that? (laughs) Yeah, he he's fine with it, but she has decided that she would much rather be with the herd than be with him. Oh. <laughs> yes. 
the best laid plans of mice and men. Yeah, that's right. Um, so how's that going? Well, I mean, she hasn't even been here a week. So I'm hoping that, you know, she's going to get, you know, get to the point where she's fine being with him and not. Lines enough. Yeah. <laughs> screaming to the herd. But we'll see. Well, know? I would just like to point something out going into this conversation. She is a chestnut mare. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I, okay. Yeah. And I'm just going to stop. <laughs> just you just never know. They could they can run your lives in a good way, in a good way. She and she may know things that you're not even aware of. She may have better better plans. You never know. Can lion, lion can't go out with the herd? Not during the summer. He doesn't want to. He wants his fans. He yeah. wants, you know, he wants the finer things in life. He the wintertime, he's really happy being out. But yeah. in the summer, no flies, nothing yeah. can land on him. So he's going he needs back to his friend. horse show days. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. One um, does never truly retire, I don't think. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Ginger just is, you know, prefers the tough guy type. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. She, she might. I mean, she was with a thoroughbred and they were turned out 24 7. She, she, she doesn't mind being in the stall. She's happy to eat her hay, drink water, but she's always, you know, looking out, calling. Does she think the grass is greener on the other side of the fence? Oh. <laughs> Well, she is out 12 hours a day. Well, that is, uh, the grass has got to be pretty green at that point, I would think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, I'm teaching her a few ground manners. And, you know, she she's the kind of horse that really wants to be a good horse. You know, she, she's not intentionally being a jerk. Mm-hmm. But she also doesn't have a lot of some basic skills like body awareness. Where was she prior to Peaceable? I, nobody knows. Wow. It's a great mystery. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so you'll uh, have to keep us tuned with that. On the adventures of Ginger. Chestnut <laughs> <Yeah>. mare. <laughs> Be Ginger minute. Yeah. Yes. The chestnut rolls. Well, good. Yeah. That's right. So we have an interesting show today. How's that? Well, we're going to talk about how horses heal humans mm-hmm. and how we can save turtles. Yes. And keeping horses' feet healthy. And, you know, what new feathered or furry friend would you add to your family? Hmm. To your I, this sounds like a little bit of an enabler kind of an episode <laughs> to me. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Beginning to wonder. Word mm-hmm. of caution, listeners. If you are prone yeah. to yeah. accepting ideas for new furry, furry finned or feathered friends, you know, don't blame us if you end up taking home a goldfish because of this conversation. Exactly. I'm feeling it's not going to be goldfish, but let's, I just can't wait to hear. There we go. Let's go. So here we are at our roundtable discussion, which is on how horses heal humans. And the reason I was inspired to bring this to Healthy Critters is a friend of mine was telling me about a horse therapy, therapeutic riding program that's very close to her house. And she said they, they recently started bringing in the wounded warriors, but not to ride. And I said, what do you mean not to ride? She goes, oh no, they come and 
they fix fences and they weed whack and they may go into a stall and clean water buckets and and I said, well, okay. And she said, and you can't imagine the effect these horses are having on these wounded veterans. Wow. And I said, well, uh, you know, how? And she said, just for some of these guys, just being in a stall with a horse that's just standing there and not judging and just accepting and sometimes curious and sometimes nuzzling and it it heals them in a way that breaks down the wall that the self protection that they have had to carry and she said that the therapeutic riding head has walked by a stall and heard a veteran just talking to a pony it's really cool so it it started me thinking sort of as a segment when i adopted ginger the new horse of course i'm not going to ride her and even in the few days she's been here i have discovered she's really engaging me partly on a nutrition level but also just that you know getting to know you getting to know you and letting her be who she is and she reflecting that uh, letting me be who I am and it's always such an interesting process with a new horse whether you ride them it, it, or, or it not is. yeah yeah it, I, I was just when you were saying that I was thinking about you know when I get horses in for training I just actually got a horse in that I had broke as a three-year-old and from the breeder had it for two years. And then it went on to the breeder's granddaughter and the granddaughter has outgrown it. And when you were saying that this is what we were going to do for this round table discussion, the first thing I thought of was how cool it was. You know, I don't think people often understand if you, if you aren't a horse person, I'm sure most of the population would be like, then if you're not going to ride it, why would you have it? And there was a recent article out about, you know, do horses get attached to people like dogs do? And I think the th- all three of us have the answer to that. And I would be fairly certain it would be the same. But what was fascinating to me with this horse um, is, you know, it's a totally different location that I was in before when I had him. But by day two, he totally recognized me. Yeah. And it, it like brings tears to my eyes a little bit because as somebody, as part of my profession that does sell horses, it makes you think about how engaging they can be and how healing they can be just by never even getting on their back. Yep. Um, so it's pretty remarkable. I can, I would, I would, I'd love to, to see that because you would, I mean, think about what it's doing for us just dealing with them on a daily basis. And, you know, obviously everybody has their day to day issues that they have and things that they worry about, but a wounded veteran, my gosh, I mean, yeah, that's pretty cool. So Tigger, I'm curious. Yes. Um, During your getting to know you phase, paint a picture for me of what those first few days look like, what your interactions look like with the horse, what you anticipate, um, what your goals are for those first few days of a horse that you just got 
and Ginger, you don't have really any significant history, so it really nope. is getting to know you from a blank slate point of view. Um, yep. Kind of paint a picture of what that looks like, because it's a I'm little bit different for aw- everybody. I'm very aware of my voice with her. I'm very aware of my body energy when I interact with her. Mm-hmm. Very low-key, very neutral, everything very positive, but not overwhelmingly so. In, in other words, not, hi, <laughs> not in her face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of let her tell me where she wants to be touched. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then of course, finding out that she leads, but she doesn't really yield, doesn't really yield her body away. So, you know, work on that in just a friendly, fun, no, not making it a lesson as much of as me using my body to kind of move her hips around or her shoulders and then telling her how awesome she is. And it's very short periods with her. And that's basically how I approach a new horse. I, I, I like to observe them. I, I like to be as, as least intrusive as possible. All right. So you're, you're trying to receive information more than give it. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Patty? When you, you probably are less likely to have a horse that comes into your life with pretty much no history at all. You're more likely to have something come in that you've gotten at least one human being's take on. Um, how might that pan out for you for those first couple of days? Well, interestingly enough, you would be surprised how little information I actually get um, years ago. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, you know, for me, um, I have never been very big on sending my horses anywhere ever because I've always been so blessed to have my own facility where I could take care of them. But, you know, I always think that a horse should go someplace with their shot records, the last time their feet were done, last time their teeth were done, how many, you know, how, when was the last time they were ridden? How are they out in the field? Are they on this much grass? What, what is your grass like? You know, and again, that's obviously what I do for a living. So I'm always just thinking about that. But it's, what's interesting for me is reading between the lines, not necessarily that anybody ever brings a horse and tries to lie about it, but reading what their perception of what the horse is doing Mm -hmm. and then seeing what my perception is. And I will tell you as time has gone on and I've gotten um, older and a little bit more comfortable with relying on my evaluation of things, I almost don't like as much information because I feel like, I mean, I like to know if a horse has been ridden and what it's been fed for that basic reason, but I try my best to spend as much time with a new horse as I possibly can. So especially for two, for two reasons. One, if it's a horse that's come into training and there's specific needs, um, I, I, for example, I, I've got a mare in eight months ago and the woman really wanted to learn how to ride this uh, very sweet Spanish mare. And she had been at one level and now mysteriously wasn't at this level anymore. So I had to truly evaluate what the horse did on the ground versus what she did under saddle and sort of figure the whole thing out. So the best answer to me was just to spend time with the horse myself. And I, so I, I kind of do a little bit of like what Tigger's saying, but I like to see how they interact with me in the stall. I like to see from day to day, how anything I did the day before, if it builds on to the next day, then I realize their trust factors are 
you know, they get an A plus for that. They're, that's not something I have to overwhelmingly work on. But some of them, even though, um, and I find the ones that have come with the most history, sometimes are very, very friendly, but the least trusting because of what mm-hmm. I said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, they miss their parents. They miss their mom. They miss, like, why am I here? Um, and um, so for me, it's, you know, a generally an evaluation. I truly... I like 30 days to be able to evaluate completely where I think a horse is and how I can deal with it. But that comes from being in the stall, picking up their feet, um, having my groom give me interaction with, well, when I did this today, they did this. And when I did this today, they did this, you know, does that stay the same? You know, Mm -hmm. are patterns repeatable? Are they, you know, are they totally some, and some of the horses, like when I go to get on them is another really big thing because honestly, that's the most dangerous time in horse riding. Is getting on. <laughs> getting on. Um, yeah, it truly is, and uh, we take it for granted all the time. The other day, I went to put my leg, uh, swing my leg over, and just as I was doing that, the horse swatted out a fly, and my foot got t- caught in their tail. Do you know how many oh, times yeah. that's happened to me before? Well, but do you know how many times I mount horses every day? Wow. I mean, all over in clinics, whatever, every day, and you take that kind of stuff for granted. And so, in that moment, you know, I am not one for anybody holding on to the horse. But for two reasons: one, if you should restrict the horse, and something like that happens, then you're you're everybody's bound, and the horse is you know feeling constrained and whatever. But that to me is a very personable time, personal time with that horse. And if you have not spent time with that horse on the ground, especially if it's a horse that is for an amateur, that that is very telling to me about how you deal with it. The, this particular mare that I was telling you about, something happened to her at some point in her life, and it didn't necessarily need to be a big deal. Like she's very very reactive, but I don't think she was ever abused. If that makes sense, I mean, it just, sure. you know, you know, she could have had a fly land on her patukas as someone was mounting one day in Spain, and it completely forever imprinted her and scared the crap out of her. So every time I get on her, I get on that horse as if the owner's getting on it. If that makes sense, I mean, I always try to make sure that that horse, you know, that that horse is always very quiet. There's nothing ever going on, so I don't like people to hold it. So anyway, I mean, it's just sort of, you know, I could talk about this stuff forever because I find it so fascinating building the relationships. I mean, the older I get, the more I realize um, the training of the horse. Uh, you know, the riding part of it only becomes this big icing on the cake when you spend the time on the ground. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. figuring them out. Yeah, you're right. How about you, Jennifer? It's it's has evolved over the years, and I spend a lot more time observing than I used to, not making any attempt at all to interact while I observe. I really like to observe the horse in in his own space, that I yep. have nothing to do with it. I'm just watching Yep. in as many different situations as I can. To get an idea of what his true personality is, especially when you're working with a horse that's already had life experiences and good, bad, or indifferent, those life experiences influence how he is around humans, around all humans. And I want to see what he's like without that human influence and then compare that to what he's like with the human influence to kind of give me a gauge on what his past experiences are and how they've influenced him. Cause like Patty said, they're not all the same. Some horses can be highly reactive and other horses less. So like that mare who possibly had a big honking fly land on the top of her bum one day, or yeah. the, a rider was getting on her one day. And just as their leg flew, went over her croup, a, a helicopter flew over her head and scared mm-hmm. the bejesus out of her. 
right? Mm-hmm. Okay, every time a, a leg goes over my body, a, a, a helicopter is going to come down. That's something that once you get to know the horse's innate personality type, how reactive he is, et cetera, et cetera, how bold he is, how confident he is, how much he depends on his herd mates, you can kind of gauge where you need to put your training efforts whether or not they like repetition and things like that. And I've really learned yeah, to appreciate exactly. those observations way, way, way more than I did 20 years ago. 20 years ago, it was like, okay, he, I, would, I would test his skill set. Does he lead? Does he load? Does he know all of his aids? And then you just apply whatever, you know, okay, okay, he doesn't pick up his left lead. We need to work on left lead aids. And that was the end of what I thought about. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. now it's much more, well, he, do, he doesn't canter left, but is it because he doesn't know his aids? Is it because the aids he is familiar with were confusing to him and now he just doesn't even try? You know, th- there's so much There's so more. many reasons. So yeah. much more. And I really, like you, again, like you said, Patty, I so enjoy that process. And it's ongoing. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, it is. Yeah. It, it, yeah it's, and it's this, so in a nutshell, is the healing that they do. Absolutely. They, they are healing us. They make us more self-aware. Definitely. They make you, you definitely get to, you get inside your own head and you start to yep. think about And your you get own inside your sure. own heart. Yeah, absolutely. So would you, let me ask you guys a question. Would you consider them to have the similar feeling of the healing properties of what it's like to have a dog? I'll yes. weigh in on that one. Okay. I think they have. But it's different. They have, they mm-hmm. have all of. They have just as valid a healing capability, but at a very, it's like chocolate and vanilla ice cream. They're both, mm-hmm. they're both ice cream, but they're yeah. both very, very different. And I think. And you like it. Yeah. Yeah. You like and it. We, I love yeah. them both, but they're both yeah. very different. And I, yeah. What do you think, Tigger? Oh, I, that's what I was, uh, you couldn't hear me. I was like saying, yeah, yeah. they're, they, they are both healers and they're different. And that's one of the, I think, things that, of gratefulness is that we're lucky enough to have both. And if you have mm-hmm. cats, you have a, another kind of healing energy and goats and llamas. And I, I think animals in have general. Yeah. such a gift for even the, and especially the wild critters, because even though we're not in touch with them, even we're not touching with them, living with them, their presence in our, vision and seeing them and our amazement with them awakens something in us. And, and that for me, I think is very healing. Well, I think that, you know, to be, I mean, I know that I I think I can speak freely for the three of us. Obviously we all love animals. I mean, there's some, some ones we're not going to appreciate as much as the ones that we're talking about, but there, I mean, you know, as we were having this conversation, some beautiful bird just came by and I was just like lost in the moment. And it just, you know, if, there's so many things that happen on a daily basis with our animals that are so healing that in, you know, for that moment, you know, we may think about it and then not think about it again until that moment happens again. That type of, you know, the cat comes and stretches out on the bed and extends her paws to you to touch you just because she wants to be near you, but not really near you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the little cat. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, right. Exactly. But the things that just, you know, you know, I, th- I I think to answer my question, I check both absolutely what you guys say, uh, what you both said. I, what is interesting to me, my dogs tend to be more of the ones that 
that I need to, like, if I'm really needing some comfort or I need some type of healing, they're the ones that I need them to be constantly laying up against me to feel that benefit. With horses, um, I, you know, you guys, neither one of you have kids, but there's this thing when they're younger, they call it parallel play. <laughs> and with the horses, I can lit, I can sit in a stall and watch them eat and not even have to touch them, which is so magnificent to be able to, to experience what that horse can give me, um, through smell, through sound. Like to me, horses are more, are, are smell and sound. I mean, there's not a person that has a horse that I, I've ever heard that says, who doesn't love to be the first one in the barn to dump grain, to hear them by yourself munching. And, you know, like, like just the thought of that is just supposed, it's so spectacular, you know? So it's just, I, you know, when, when some, when people tell me, Oh, you know, Oh God, I can't do an animal. I can't even talk to them. You know, I've got a zoo in my house, you know what yeah. I mean? And I'd rather have that zoo in my house and, you know, the, the horses in my life, um, to be able to have, to be able to reach out and get that type of extra comfort or healing. I just, you know, I think it's, I think we're very blessed to have it. There you go. Yeah. And I think we could probably broaden this discussion a little bit because I'm sure a lot of folks are sitting here listening to this right now going, well, I don't need any healing. Right. I, right, I'm fine. Right. I think even more than healing, these animals that we were talking about in these relationships, even if the relationship consists of continuously and thoroughly observing the wildlife around you, it nourishes. And I think that nourishment creates the healing. Absolutely. Talk about deep stuff. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Wow. Dang. I feel so smart now. Let's talk about deep. We're about to talk to Hedwig, oh. who dives deep into oh, that's the, deep. To the uh, okay. yeah. trash receptacle. That's so. it. The talking, the talking Pomeranian the Hedwig. The talking Pomeranian. Here she comes. Hega! Hedy! Hello. Hi, Hedy. Is there a party? Mm-hmm. Is I Jennifer? Hello, Hedwig. How are you? Of course. Tigger Patifer. is here. So I understand you have a story to tell us. Oh, my goodness. It's an ongoing saga that I must share with everyone because I think this is a public health emergency, much like measles outbreak. Oh, okay. Probably more substantial as a risk to public safety, I should imagine. Okay. So, as you may be aware, at least I hope so, at many equine establishments, there are dumpsters into which the manure is placed. And we have these dumpsters. One dumpster is on the ground. No problem. Little dogs can go right in and out of the dumpster. No issue, no problem. But the other one has a, a big ramp, and, and the wheel conveyances are brought up the ramp and then pushed over into the dumpster. And that is where they put the composted food from the household now because the little dogs <laughs> like to go into the other one. Uh-huh. I can see where this and is going. So... You might be familiar with the idea of a walking the plank. Well, little dogs bravely walk the plank into the dumpster. 
and then they forge about happy eating scraps or whatever. <laughs> and then little dogs can't get out. Uh, oh no. So little dogs bark and bark and bark and bark themselves hoarse. And the one little dog that didn't go in the dumpster stands at the top to be comforting to the little dog who's trapped. And who is the little dog that's trapped? <laughs> Eddie. And before you get all judgy, Tigger, yes. I'm pretty sure it was a setup because the first time <laughs> the human came out and got me and lifted me out. And the second time the human came out, but after a long time. Karma, I Eddie. Barking for quite Karma. a while. Like Karma. <laughs> And then today, when the similar event occurred, the human did not come at all. Oh. Now, the human claims she did not hear me. But I know this is not the case. She was just being horrible. And the other human, to whom I refer to as other, came uh-huh. and rescued me, but only after quite some time. And she was crap at it because she's so short. <laughs> uh-huh. So the rescuing was not as successful. Um, I would like to know how your GI tract takes uh, eating the waste from the house. Oh, I'm fine. Thank you very much for inquiring. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tigger, who, what are you, new? What, is this your first time with her? <laughs> She's a Pomeranian. She, she can handle that. Are you kidding? <laughs> I'm fine. Well, hey. I'm traumatized, and now I won't let my human out of my sight. Even well, then maybe you won't get into the manure receptacle anymore. Oh, Tigger, Tigger, Tigger. In fact, what I think should happen is the other door to the dumpster should be open like in the other one so I can just run in and out at my convenience. <laughs> well, I think that's a suggestion you should make to your servant. Yeah. I have made that suggestion to my servant. I do think that I think at some point girls that we should maybe have Hedwig's servant on the show to maybe get some you know feedback from her as well about how get the other side of the story i just it's just it just dawned on me that recently i wrote a post on my facebook page and a cheeky listener had the nerve to say that she didn't know what i would write about if i didn't have my servant to complain about now this shows a tremendous lack of understanding of my extraordinary capacity to think of things I would be more pleased to be loquacious about another topic. I but have I to agree bored. with you on that, <laughs> but that's because I know you just a little, just enough. So <laughs> well, I, I agree. I, I think that's a topic to for another show. Yeah, yeah. Well, the there you go. Loquaciousness. Loquacious. <laughs> that's a great word. The loquaciousness of Hedwig the Pomeranian. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, I I advise no more um, garbage dumpster diving. diving. Yeah. Plank walking. Plank walking, not not a good plan either. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm glad you've been rescued, Hetty, because Me talking too. you from uh, a, a dumpster probably wouldn't have been so much fun. No, so, I can't. Well, stay out of the garbage. It's not garbage, it's manure. Yeah. 
Sorry. Get it right, Tigger. Really? I know. I okay, Hedwig. I'm glad you're okay. Me too. Thank you so much. Bye bye, Hedwig. I'm a little grubby. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> So we are now at Critter Corner, and I thought nothing more appropriate than to talk about turtles. I'm sure everybody has seen turtles in the road, obviously more in the spring. And it's been so fascinating kind of looking into this. Every I, I don't know about you guys, but if I see a turtle, I always, I pull over yeah, as long as it's safe and, you know, try to get them on the other side. And there has been many times when I've gotten out and went, whoo, that's a snapper. And just actually last week I was in my outdoor arena and there was a little tiny baby snapper, which is really quite cute. Um, yeah. And we wanted to help. It's on its way. And so it just got me thinking about it. There's got to be some pr- protocol to some of this. And I also wanted to find out as to why this happens. And I mean, I kind of figured it had to do with the breeding mating season. And I was correct. And so, you know, basically... What happens is, is that, you know, originally, I think in the earlier part of the spring, we were seeing a lot of the male turtles going around looking for the female turtles. And so they'll kind of move from pond to pond, third turtle mama, and they look for as many female turtles as they can to breed with to obviously repopulate. So what happens after that is, is that then turtle mamas are then in search of a place that is has adequate sun but also and drainage but also moisture because obviously turtles can dry out to lay their eggs so you know because of this we end up seeing and it's there's so many different types of turtles so this isn't really going to be about breeds of turtles because there's different ones in virginia and florida i mean you know throughout the whole united states but um so i just i just wanted to come up with some tips and some actually some interesting facts about why turtles are doing this and how some states are actually helping because it's a little it's a it's a really quite a big problem with turtles being you know hit on the road so I, I thought I would start off with some of the tips as to what to do and these are just very basic tips but um, if you see a turtle and it's safe to pull over absolutely do so and one of the number one things is not to make them change course if they're headed a certain direction don't bring them back to the other side they're headed that way for a reason you know there could be more water there could be better food there could be whatever send them the same direction put them safely on the other side um you don't want to relocate them to an area that they're heading to if it obviously appears as hazardous. So you can go across the road, maybe move them down a little bit, but for the most part, you really want to try to keep them on their path because they are on a mission to do food or breeding or whatever, or to, to lay eggs. One of the big questions everybody seems to have is, what if you do come across a snapper or how do you pick them up? So if you approach a turtle, a snapper is going to have a little bit more of a point of your nose. And this is something you guys can look up on the internet to get great pictures. And they tend to, and if you go and you approach a turtle and it is a snapper, they're going to turn around and act snappy. Obviously, if it's a larger one, don't be too brazen to get up next to it because it's obviously going to be quick to turn around. But you never, ever, ever want to pick any turtle up by the tail because you can damage their spine. 
If you can, and don't approach it from the front, approach it from the back and try to grab the sides. And even with a snapping turtle, if you can grab the sides of the turtle, you can safely move it, even though it's making noise at you and put it, you know, on the ground on the other side of the road and release it without dropping it. Because even though they're very hardy, they're not hardy. So if you drop them on their, you know, upside down, they're going to stay upside down. It's very hard for them to get right side up. So that's an important thing to think of. One of the interesting things I, I, I found just this, a lot of states are so concerned about how many turtles are truly, you know, getting killed on the road. In fact, in some turtle species, you know, they can lay up to 20 eggs per breeding and it can sometimes take 20 years for one turtle from one female to actually make it because of how often they get killed on the road. Pretty interesting. So it was, so there's been certain States that have actually headed up these projects to make fencing for them to migrate and mate without kind of getting to the road. Um, I didn't get into the details of like how they're doing that, but in the process of making these fences to try to make sure these turtles get to these, you know, better locations, they realize that turtles are afraid of the dark. And if there was a better well-lit route, they could start to track them going more during daylight, which then causes other problems because there was one state, I think it was in California, that was trying to make this better, you know, path of, you know, mating path. And in the process of this, there wasn't enough water along the way and the turtles would dry out, which brings me to my next point on rainy and humid days in the spring is when you are going to see them on the road more often than not. And if you see a turtle that's in the road, and if you have the time and you can pull over and it looks like it's been hit, this is it's so interesting to me because I, I have, and I always stop, but I never would stop for this. They say, if you have the time and you can stop, go approach it and pinch its hind feet to see if it's actually dead because a lot of them get hit and people don't do anything about it and they don't think anything about it and they're, and they're actually suffering. So, and they can actually still be saved. They're incredibly resilient if you can get them to a vet or a rehabilitation center. So it's just, it's, it's just this, this information about how to, to handle these things with turtles is endless. But the number one thing is if you, if you see a turtle, please, if it's safe, please stop and get it to the other side of the road safely. Um, it's a snapper. There are things that you can do. Um, if you don't want to pick it up, you can actually grab the hind feet and somewhat drag it. You know, I always carry a towel in my car, you know, whatever, but make sure you place them down softly, but, you know, be on sort of alert. But if you do see one that's hit and you have the time, stop and check and see, because there has been a lot of stories about ones that have been hit that got into, you know, turtle sanctuaries and, um, at, at, you know, and got in contact with vets and they were able to save them because they're actually quite resilient. So oh, it's, um, I would never have so thought safe, to pinch safe. their little feet. I, that was kind of the biggest thing that I got out of my research is I never would have thought. And I mean, I think there's sometimes you can tell that things aren't good, but it was just so apparent to me, you know, of course you don't want to bring up the sad parts in this is that when they do get hit, sometimes they're alive. They're still alive. And, you know, we can make a difference because there's so many states that they are, you know, tracking 
these turtles. And because so many of them are getting hit on the road that they're not actually reproducing. Like I said, it can take one turtle 20 years to get one offspring to adulthood. So every little bit helps. Every little bit helps. So if you see a turtle and you know, this is going to sound Maybe it won't sound stupid. I always have some form of a blanket or something in my car because if you see an animal on the side of the road, I am going to do my best to stop and pick it up or cover it or do whatever. And if you have a towel or something, you can pick it, you know, you can pick a turtle up and you can move it. And that's another thing to point out is wash your hands. If you do go through this, if you are successful and you're able to get a turtle to the other side, they do have salmonella. They carry salmonella. So definitely wash your hands afterwards. But, um, Yeah, I mean, every little bit can help keep a species going. And it's fascinating, so fascinating how different types, I mean, there's obviously lots of box turtles uh, actually in Florida and in Virginia. Um, And I'm sure, Tigger, you probably, I'm sure you see them. I don't know if you, I haven't seen any yet, but it's going to probably happen in the next four weeks. So pull over everybody, save a turtle, help them out. And now we're at at Critter Nutrition, and today the subject is healthy hooves. Over the course of my lifetime with horses, I've had horses with great feet and horses whose feet nearly drove me into debt trying to fix them. You name the hoof supplement, I've probably used it, plus hoof oils, creams, salves, and pine tar. By complete happenstance, before I started Biostar, I, I began feeding flax seeds to one horse whose coat quality I wanted to improve. This horse happened to have shelly, brittle, thin-walled feet. After two months, my farrier commented on the improved hoof quality. Never did I imagine that flax would improve his feet. So I started researching why omega-3s might play a role in hoof quality. The equine digestive system evolved to eat small, continuous meals of vegetation to roam many miles per day, eating all day long. The grasses not only provided water, protein, carbohydrates, and fiber, they also provided fat, specifically the fatty acids, high amounts of omega-3 and low amounts of omega-6. The fact that the horses were moving constantly, some estimates of up to 20 miles per day, increased circulation to the feet. The grain connection. Horses need higher amounts of omega-3s than 6. When we feed grains, corn, barley, oats, wheat middlings, wheat bran, rice bran, sunflower seeds, we are feeding higher amounts of omega-6. Additional sources of omega-3, like flax or chia, must be added to maintain a minimum ratio of 2.5 to 1 omega-3 to omega-6. Some researchers are pointing to increased ratios of up to 4.1 omega-3 to omega-6. Grasses and hay do provide omega-3s. Depending on how the hay was stored and maintained can severely affect omega-3 content. I personally don't depend on hay for omega-3s. 10 to 12 hours of turnout on grass per day will elevate the important omega-3s in the equine diet. But this can also be affected by the type of grass. Coastal and Bahia grasses don't have the omega-3 content of Timothy bluegrass or orchard grass. Protein and amino acids. The hoof wall of horses is made up of approximately 93% protein. Hooves contain the amino acids cysteine, arginine, leucine, lysine, proline, serine, glycine, valine, methionine, phenylalanine, and histidine. Diets that are protein deficient can lead to reduced hoof growth. 
The composition of the hoof wall is predominantly an insoluble protein called keratin, which includes the amino acids glycine, phenylalanine, arginine, cysteine, and proline. The amino acid cysteine makes up approximately 24% of keratin. Another sulfur-containing amino acid known as methionine can be converted by the body into cysteine. Many hoof supplements provide a form of methionine in its synthetic form, DL-methionine. The rationale of providing methionine for its conversion to cysteine makes nutritional sense, but ignores the other key amino acids in keratin, glycine, phenylalanine, proline, and arginine. The isolation of one amino acid, methionine, while ignoring the others, may explain in part why some supplements that contain methionine may work for some horses, but not for others. Zinc and copper. Copper is part of an enzyme that is required for the formation of the disulfide bonds in keratin. Copper is part of another copper-dependent enzyme that is also necessary for the structural integrity of collagen. Zinc plays a role in, cis- in enzymatic action in the formation of keratin and collagen. Zinc is present, is present in high concentrations in normal hoof tissue. Zinc deficiency can show up as slow hoof growth, thin walls, white line, and abscesses. Excess iron can interfere with zinc and copper metabolism, but it must be noted that iron absorption is low in equines and ranges from 2 to 20%, with 4% being the average, while zinc's absorption rate is 5% to 90%. Excess amount of calciums from foods like alfalfa hay can negatively impact the absorption of zinc. Horses that get alfalfa hay only and no other hay mix like orchard or timothy may need supplemental zinc. Whole food sources of zinc are pumpkin seeds and sesame seeds. Whole food sources of copper include sesame seeds and kale. Biotin. Most hoof supplements provide the B vitamin biotin. Only a handful of studies have been performed in horses to determine the effect of biotin. And the most recent one was in 1998. A Swiss study in 1995 and a South African study in 1992 highlight that biotin supplementation does not work in 30 days. Both studies were nine months in duration, and only the South African study demonstrated improved hoof growth on 15 milligrams of biotin per day. The Swiss study, based on 20 milligrams of biotin per day, showed no improvement of hoof growth as compared to the control group. If you choose to feed a hoof supplement containing biotin, it is important to give the product a good seven to nine months because it takes time to see if biotin will help your horse's feet. Colostrum. With over 70 different growth factors in bovine colostrum, this whole food can be very helpful in building better feet. One reason that colostrum is effective is because of the growth factors that help stimulate cellular reproduction and regulate roles in cell growth. Growth factors stimulate normal growth as well as the healing and repairing of tissue. Colostrum is one of my go-to foods when dealing with hoof growth and hoof integrity issues. Circulation. Poor circulation in the feet will affect the quality of the hoof wall. The strength of the equine foot depends on nourishment that begins with good circulation and vascularity. Horses are designed to be on the move. 24 hours per day turned out in a big pasture where the horse is constantly moving and grazing is not possible for many horses in boarding and training barns and even horses kept at home. Many training barns in Europe and the U.S. use mechanical horse walkers to add more exercise and the circulation for horses with limited turnout. Horse gym treadmills are also becoming more, more common. 
Some riders take their horses out twice per day, starting with a training session in the morning and then an afternoon hack or walk. Not only is this good for building muscle and fitness, but it is very good for increasing circulation to the feet. Even hand walking several times per day on grassy and hard surfaces will increase circulation. Nitric oxide is the master circulatory molecule in the body and stimulating more nitric oxide production can be very beneficial to increasing circulation to the feet. Biostar's formula Circuvate is a nitric oxide stimulator providing the substrate arginine for nitric oxide production. This is the formula that fundamentally brought my horse Lionheart back to soundness from his chronic inflammation of the navicular bursa. Avoiding soy. Soy has a high phytate content, which can prevent zinc, copper, magnesium, and iron from absorption in the GI tract. If your horse has weak shelly feet, it might be best to avoid soy. Genetics can play a role in poor hoof quality, but nutrition, good farrier care, and circulation are critical for long-term healthy feet. Personally, I've learned from the less is more approach to equine health and well-being. Start with the diet. Horses are by nature grazers. They need to move. They need to eat 20 hours a day of mostly fibrous foods, pasture, forage, hay. They need higher amounts of omega-3s and omega-6s. Adding chia seeds or flax seeds is particularly important for horses that are stalled with limited turnout or those living in drought pastures or pastures with bahia or coastal grasses. Horses need good quality protein like alfalfa pellets or cubes to provide the necessary amino acids. They need mineral support from salt licks, free choice minerals, and multivitamin mineral supplements. They need to move. Circulation is one of the most important components for healthy feet. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. And now we're at Coffee Clatch, and I thought it would be fun to speculate um (laughs) if you could add one more furry or feathered or thinned critter to your household what would it be what would it be patty i would have to say at this moment today it would have to be some sort of animal that can help me vacuum (laughs) (laughs) or clean as uh many of my very close friends know i i am head keeper of a zoo I have I have quite a few dogs. I don't know, Tigger. I think honestly, I really would love to have some chickens, um, just because I, yep. for the longest I time, it. I didn't think I wanted chickens. Huh? I get it. Yeah, I just I just love I I am learning more about chickens. I just I mean I I love eggs too, but I just I, I think 
I think I would go with a chicken, um, I believe. How about you, Jennifer? That's my final answer. I'm going to step outside the parameters of this conversation and say that I would like to add a finned friend to my house. That's the stuff you didn't have in there, isn't it? Right. That's true. Yes, I have have an aquarium. You do? I have an aquarium, and it is currently populated by half a dozen 19-cent feeder fish. Mm. Who are happily swimming about in there and have been for the past two years. Wow. Yeah, feeder fish are the best deal in town because they're really hardy, so it's hard to kill them. But right. they are they're actually minnows, oh. and minnows are bottom dwellers in that yeah. they, they hang around in the bottom and underneath of rocks, even though they're not they they don't clean the bottom like a catfish does. But they hang around in the bottom. So I need to get a fish that likes to live in the middle to the top of the aquarium because it's kind of quiet up there. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, and so what would what that would be? You, yeah, I was going to say, what is that? Well, Don't leave us hanging. It's going to be, I think, a, what are they called? Start, it ends in B-U-N-K, and I can't remember the first half of the name, but it's a type of goldfish. It's the short, ah, okay. the short kind of golf ball shaped ones with the fancy tails. Like a beta fish, sort of? No, it's it's a goldfish, but he's got a really oh. round body instead of a fish-shaped body. It looks like somebody took a tiny little golf ball and stuck <laughs> fins on the back and bulgy eyes on the front. Oh, cute. Um, so I think it's probably going to be a fancy goldfish because they tend to be um, in the middle to top of the aquarium. The only downside is um, they get really big, and it's only a 20-gallon tank. So oh. it's gonna it's gonna increase the maintenance mm. of my it's fish are kinda like having horses on small acreage. <laughs> the more horses you have, the more poop you have to clean, more labor intensive. Uh-huh. Works the same way with fish. The more fish you've got in that water, the more cleaning you have to do. Yeah, so I have to weigh that. Mm-hmm. Or I could go I I could go with tetras or something, but they're not as hardy. I need hardy fish because I'm not that good of a, a fish mom. Yeah. yeah, I'm. Yeah, I. Yeah, I. Yeah. I, I. I had a couple episodes of not doing well with fish, and that was hard. Yeah, you got. Yeah, so I got to stick with the hardy fish. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agree. I agree. Hardy chickens, hardy fish. How about you, Tigger? I really want a parrot. Of course you do. do you? <laughs> I do. I have. Yeah. Okay. What kind of parrot? Kind There's of lots of different parrot? kinds. I was gonna say, colorful one. That narrows it down to all of them. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Okay. What's that mean? Well, not the African gray because they're kind of gray. Right. A pretty one. You know, lots of colors that talks. Well, don't well, you want to? Don't you want to get a baby one that, that you can teach to talk? Yes. Oh my gosh. They, well, I, but they. But here's the thing. They say because I was into birds for quite some time and um they say the biggest thing with the parrots is you just have to make sure that you um but they live a long time and people they they always suggest that you have somebody that will take them afterwards because um you just want to make sure they that you know they live a long time and they can live like what 75 years Yes. I wonder you if they make accommodation like for them in your will. <laughs> yeah. Is there, yeah. That's yeah. I was trying to, I couldn't figure out the nice way to say that. Um, is there parrot rescues, Tigger? Have you looked into that? Well, I, this is my fantasy. Okay. Oh, I can't wait to hear. Um, is to have a parrot, 
but um, I'm, I'm a long way from the, the fantasy becoming a reality. I just right. thought if I'd like to add something, I would like to have the parrot. I would like to have like a pirate parrot. A pirate, pirate parrot. parrot. That one that sits on have one eye and one and one <laughs> leg missing. <laughs> oh, no, you know the. the I the, think that's. I think that's a macaw, that that, maybe. Yeah. And they, yeah. And they, you know, sit on your shoulder and <laughs> take crackers from you and. Are you, talk. <laughs> okay, I think that would be fun. So I googled it because that's what I do. And there are parrot rescues. I found right here the Flare, Florida Parrot Rescue, Inc. Forever Homes wow. for Feathered Friends. There you go. And they have pictures oh, of all these beautiful birds. Oh, that's good to know. That's can, good to know. Right. You can adopt, foster, volunteer, or surrender. I wow. Actually, I actually had a baby parrot as a, well, not me, but somebody I worked for, where we had to actually, you know, feed it as a baby and boy it was i have to tell you was it fascinating because you have to get it down the right side of their their throat and all this like cool stuff but they become they're just so attached to you it is so sweet it was a green it really much yeah really i think it was a green wing parrot green wing parrot i think it was going to be a big beautiful bird but yeah well there are some wild parrots in wellington these two like green parrots really and yes and they must it must have somebody said well they probably got loose during a hurricane mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. and they would just perch on the fence and they weren't very big parrots but they were cute little green parrots and that started me thinking about you know if i was going to add something different i think a parrot would be really cool to have i have chickens so yeah and i don't do well with fish Florida Parrot Rescue has lots of really beautiful birds looking for forever homes. <laughs> I'm just that saying. is something that I yeah I would totally do when I know at some point where I'm not going to be traveling, which I don't think that will ever happen. But yeah, that could I, get I, dicey, I, couldn't I, it? Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that because they could, they can be they're just funny too. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever see the videos of the cockatoos and they start dancing when like someone plays a guitar or they start singing. Yeah. Yeah, They're no, they're, they're, they're stinking adorable. And I love their eyes. Do you Mm -hmm. notice that their eyes are like dinosaur eyes? Having never seen a dinosaur eye, I cannot comment. Yeah. I'm like, huh? Watch Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So wouldn't that mean that CGI created dinosaur eyes are like bird eyes? Yes, yeah. because birds are modern-day dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. That's how dinosaurs really kind of survived. Not in their original form, but that, that, that hip, the hip joint is, is a bird joint. And when you look at a chicken's eye or you look at a parrot's eye, you see a raptor eye. It's so cool. Depending, especially depending on what kind of chicken you've got there. Some of them I <laughs> Some of them are closer yeah, to raptor right. than others. <laughs> well, when you watch them run, they're like little T-Rexes. When you watch Jurassic Park and you watch how That's those true. raptors and T-Rex runs and you watch your chicken run, you go, oh, my God. <laughs> so if you're thinking about adding a, a new kind of furried or finned or feathered friend, let us know on HealthyCrittersRadio.com. 
Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your Wookiee. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. <laughs> <laughs>